Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 896. Just treat people nicely and good things will happen. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's a very special guest calling in from Hershey, Pennsylvania, Jeff Bleemeister. Hey, Jeff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Jeff Bleemeister is the executive director of the Antique Automobile Club of America Museum in Hershey, Pennsylvania. The AACA Museum is affiliated with the Smithsonian Institution, and it is dedicated to the preservation and presentation of vintage automobiles and their vast history. Jeff's long career has included working at the Railroad Museum of Pennsylvania, and he was the curator at the Renfrew Museum and at the AACA Museum as well. You'll discover over 120 automobiles, trucks, and motorcycles at the museum with rotating and permanent exhibits. And the vehicles range from a an 1895 Chicago Benton Harbor, that is an old vehicle, to a 2000 Suzuki Hayabusa motorcycle and everything in between. Their educational programs are some of the finest in the country as well. So Jeff, I've told our listeners a little bit about you in the museum. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Oh, sure. I've loved automobiles since I was a little kid. The one thing, the only thing I really love more than automobiles is history. The two tie together so nicely. I started my plan to be a social studies teacher and I kind of fell into museums by default or by accident. And, uh, one thing led to another and here I am 30 years later as the director of the AAC Museum in Hershey. And, uh, I've been the owner of a, of a antique or vintage car since I was 20 years old and I'm now 53. So it's, it's been a, a lot of fun. A long, a fun ride. Most definitely. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a mantra or a success quote, something that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Jeff, take the wheel. I think for me, what has worked best is always treat people the way you'd like to be treated and never burn a bridge because you never know what the future is going to hold. There is the ways I'm trying to live my life. The old a golden rule. Well, what's, what's a way that yeah. you incorporate those concepts into what you do there at the museum? Well, probably I, I try my management style is I try to lead by example and, and uh, try to put myself in the other person's shoes whenever we, we're working on a project or something else. Even if it's working with a volunteer, never ask people to do something that that I wouldn't jump into if I, if I, if I found the world reversed. Well, and I know with museums because I've talked to many museum directors and curators here on Cars. Yeah, that you have a lot of volunteers. That's museums have to work with volunteers, and that can be a delicate situation. So, being willing to step in and do whatever you would ask a volunteer to do is uh, most likely the way to to get that done. Plus, you've got a lot of enthusiasts around you too, as well, right? Oh, absolutely, that works well for us. And, and my my message for the volunteers is. You are our ambassadors when you're here, and when you're out in the public too. You know, we try and make it a we try and choose to treat them almost as adjunct staff, and tell them you're the first person a visitor sees when they walk through the door. And the way you portray yourself and our organization has a lot of impact, and, and carries it carries impact out out that you won't even see that day, but it may help us later. So we really have a great team here that works well together, and it allows us to do so much more than we would with the limited staff that we have on hand. 
Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you think back that you knew you were a car guy? Considering you've had a collectible car since the age of 15, this goes way back. Yeah, I I, I tell people jokingly, you know, I'm, I'm a real lover of the Ford Mustang. And I was born in 1964, and I had the I don't have a memory of it, but when I was when I was a baby, my my dad was stationed in the Army band on Staten Island, New York, and my mother one day came out of the blue and said to me, "I took you to the New York World's Fair, and you went by the Ford Rotunda." And I said, "I don't remember seeing a Mustang out there, but we went by there because we had a talk one day about that." So you know, I tell people, "Yeah, I was there for the introduction of the Mustang in April of 1964," <laughs> but I don't tell them I was in a baby bus going by the front of it. Well, something rubbed off of that Ford Blue when you went by, but the fact that you were made when the first Ford Mustangs came out in 64, that's kind of an interesting coincidence. Yeah, you know, it's, it's stuff with me, and it's, it's something. It's my favorite car, of course. You'll hear more about my, my love of Mustangs later, but I've, I've always appreciated, I guess, older things, vintage things, and I've always tried to appreciate history in as many shapes and forms, and, and I've kind of always had an old car. I mean, I've had modern cars, too, but I've always... I was hitting old car and I was trying to drive as much as possible. And when you talk about getting under, behind the hood, under the hood or behind the wheel, I have an interesting story I'll share with you a little bit later about that. You know, I've only had two American cars throughout my life, but the second one was a 66 Fastback that had been built into a GT350 clone. And it was just such a wonderful, fun car to drive. And everywhere I went with it, people gave me thumbs up. They stopped, wanted to talk about it. The Mustang is not unlike the VW Beetle. It's just one of those iconic cars that everybody, old and young, tends to like. So I look forward to hearing more about your adventures with Mustangs as we move on. But first, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you face. These are important points in time, but they teach us so much. So take us on one of those journeys in your life. For me, uh, it's not a big life-changing journey, but I, something I learned about communication. One of my first automotive stories was as a new car, car owner as a teenager, 16, and I was going through a period of my life. My parents were, were getting ready to divorce, and there was a lot of tension in our family. I remember bringing the car home, and my dad was going to take a few minutes to show me how to do an oil change. And we drained everything out. We had the filter off. Put the pan plug back in and handed me the filter and said, here you go, read the instructions to put this back on. So I, anyone who's done this knows to look at the filter and I think it tells you, you spin it to make contact and tighten it three quarters of a turn or something along those lines. So I put it on there to the best of my ability and we pour the oil in the crankcase and I said to my father, would you like to check this before we start the car? And his response is, well, did you follow the instructions? And I said, I think I did, but I prefer if you take a look at it. Yeah. Because now we're good. Now we're good. Start the car. So... He goes, I go to start the car, and he's outside, and half a second later, he's screaming at the top of his lungs, shut it off, shut it off, and there's oil coming out all over the garage floor to the walls, as I did not have the filter quite tight enough to yeah. the engine block, and I had oil everywhere. Oh, no. And that led to a real learning experience. Well, I learned how to clean up the garage with, you know, on my own, <laughs> and my dad learned how to communicate better with his son. So that was a learning experience for me that I treasure now. I didn't treasure at the moment. Well, if that's the worst or the biggest challenge you've ever faced, you've been a pretty <laughs> lucky guy throughout your life, that's for sure. I've had a similar similar situation when the first time I changed oil in my first Porsche 911, and I don't know what I was thinking, but those things hold 11 quarts of oil, and my oil pan <laughs> didn't hold quite 11 quarts, and when oil's coming out, it's really hard to stop when it's coming out of that train. So I, too, learned how to clean up oil off a garage floor. So you're not... Absolutely. The, that's how you... Yeah. That's how you learn. That's how you get there. I guess so. I guess so. As long as you didn't drive it without oil in it, that's the even worse disaster and the worst lesson you can ever... No, you're absolutely right. Now, I, 
I've had plenty of experiences in my life that professionally and business-wise that have set you back. You just you learn from them and you move forward and, and, and you do it better the second time around. Yep, you sure do. Well, I bet you you've never done that with an oil filter ever again. So a <laughs> uh, good point in time to learn. Well, let's shift gears and talk about a career aha moment. You've moved around from some different museums to different museums. So I would assume there's a point in time where you had a great aha moment you could share with us in your career path that those headlights kind of illuminated your way to another place to go. So tell us about one of yours. Absolutely. I think back to two of them, the one that actually got me into museums in the first place. I mentioned earlier, I thought I'd be a social studies teacher, and, and when it came time, I went through the whole program. I even took the practice national teacher's exam. But when it came time to actually just doing teaching, I realized I'm 19, what, 20, 21 years old, and I'm not ready to teach 16, 17 year olds. It's not what I want to do. So as I was about to graduate, my junior year, one more year of school ago, I found a, a program at my college where they were offering a partially paid college internship. In the summer, you could pick anything that was relevant to your career path and major. I remember going to my favorite museum, which was outside of Buffalo, or downtown Buffalo, actually, where I lived in Western New York State. I went in and said, I'd like to work for you this summer as an intern. What can you do for me? And they said to me, well, we can, we can set you up on the lawn crew, and we did the lawn mode and the, and the landscaping <laughs> done and all that. And yeah. I, I kind of said, well, I think I, I think I misrepresented myself. I'm, I'm a history major, and by the way, I could pay for half of my salary through a grant. And they immediately said, I'd like to do exhibits, research, whatever <laughs> yeah. it may be. So I ended up spending the whole summer doing research on a, on a really cool project. And that got me into museums and led me down a whole succession of things and pathways, um, including going back to graduate school at age 30 to get my master's degree in museum studies. But the aha moment for me with automobiles was told you earlier, I've had an old car pretty much since I was a teenager. I've worked in a lot of different history museums. And one day at my history museum, I get a knock on the door and representative from the AECA, the local region of AECA, the Antique Automobile Club, is at my door and wants to bring his cars for a rally at my museum. And I'm thinking, well, this is fantastic. I love to have you guys here. I feel like, you know, one of your brothers. I said, I'm an old car guy, too. I have a 68 Mustang. And the guy laughs and said, yeah, they're great. They're a great used car. We're going to be bringing some Model Cs. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately felt that camaraderie with this gentleman. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the show there at the end, he says, hey, you know, we're, we're building a museum in Hershey. This was back about 2002. We're building a museum in Hershey. You might want to keep an eye open for that. So I immediately joined the ACA, went online, made some phone calls, found out about the museum. One thing led to another, and I became the museum's first curator about a year later. How fun. That was my aha moment. Introduced me to ACA, introduced me to the concept of the museum, and got my foot in the door all in one step. Very nice. Very nice story. Well, how about a proudest career a moment? Is there one that stands out you could share? Uh, there's a couple. I really, I really liked that day in June of 2003 when we opened the museum. If you haven't been to the museum, it's a fantastic experience. As you mentioned to the listeners, we have three floors, cars, trucks, and buses. We're really a very complete history museum. But we went from no museum at all to a shell of a building. When I was hired, there was a shell of a building in January, and we didn't even have a building occupancy permit. And my office was in a hotel next door where I could see the progress being made. And then from January to June, we opened a world-class museum. So being behind the scenes and, and a moving part of that is probably my the most pride I've ever felt in any job, opening that museum, going from, from a, a frame of the building to a fully operable museum that attracted, I think, thirty-five or 45,000 visitors the first year. That was, I have a lot of pride in that. Absolutely. A tremendous project. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car, that first car that you got that had a lot of meaning to you. What was that vehicle? Well, the one we talked about earlier that I made the mess of the oil on, that was, that was a $400 
75 Chevy that I used some of my graduation money from high school to buy. Mm -hmm. That was good transportation, but I wouldn't call it a memorable car. I, I had my eye on a Mustang right from day one. And uh, one summer, I made enough money working two jobs to be able to pay my tuition, or at least part of my tuition, and buy a $900 Mustang. This was back in the early 80s, and I went and found a 68 Mustang Coupe that had four mismatched tires, one of them a snow tire at the time, uh, <laughs> a partial interior, a 302 V8 transfer from a, a Maverick that I found out later, because so I didn't know the difference at that time, the age that I was. That was my first car. It had been repainted. It was a pretty nice looking car, and that was a car I owned for 10 years. I put about 100,000 miles on it and uh, added parts to it and did a semi-restoration on it, and I kept that car, like I said, 10 years. It was, it was a lot of fun. That Holy cow, 100,000 miles. Yeah, you did like that 100, car. 100,000 miles. It was, a daily, it was a daily driver for 10 years. Very nice. Well, how about the seller's remorse story? Is there one in your life that you wish you had back in your garage? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, I grew up in a, in a family that only drove automatics, so I did not know how to drive a stick shift car. And when I met my wife, I she actually had a stick shift automobile. And when we met in college, when we were seniors, and her dad had purchased her a 1983 AMC American Motors Spirit GT with a four-speed. And that car, at the time, I didn't think too much of it because, you know, for what it was back then, it was just a used car. But they're really uncommon cars now, and she regrets that we sold it. And I regret the things that, that I regret driving it because we used to share that car once in a while. And one time I remember racing, a, you'll appreciate this, I surprised the Porsche owner off the stoplight with it and had him for about 200 yards before he gave me a dirty look and left me in the tail <laughs> Yeah, it's like, how'd you do that <laughs> in that AMC? <laughs> yeah, that is a very unique car. I can't remember the last time I saw one of those. So. No, so if anyone out there has one, knows what he wants for sale, I'm, I'm in the market for an AMC Spirit with a four-speed. There you go. Well, check out uh, <laughs> Jeff's Cars Yeah show notes page, and you'll figure out how to get a hold of them at the AACA Museum, and uh, you've got a buyer for that car. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up there at the AACA Museum. What's upcoming that uh, visitors can look forward to for either the rest of this year or into next year? Oh, we're always doing all kinds of special events and new projects. One of the things we've come over the last few years to be known as the, the center of the Tucker universe. We have a lot of, we have three Tucker automobiles here. And if you know anything about Tuckers, you know that's a high percentage of the production numbers. So we have a, we have a really nice Tucker display. We recently added an interactive component where you can you can uh, simulate driving a Tucker until the Tucker has the Cyclops headlight in the front. You can, you can stand behind the wheel of the Tucker and pretend you're driving. The headlight goes with you. You can take selfies with it. It has a wall behind it and so forth. And cool. We're doing, other, we're doing all kinds of other Tucker things, including some projects with the Tucker Owners Club. That's going to bring us closer together and continue our, our growth as, like I said, the Tucker capital and Tucker universe. You know, that's pretty cool. The local... Yeah. yeah, the local museum here, the LeMay Museum, they have a blue Tucker. And I had Preston Tucker's grandson, Sean Tucker, as a guest here on Cars. Yeah, he told us a lot of cool stories. So listeners, go back and hear that. And you should connect with Rob Ida. He's a builder, a restoration Rob, guy. Rob built the Interactive for us. Yep, oh, Rob, there you go. A few weeks ago. Yeah, he built the Interactive, and Sean was part of the design team on that. And we had the, uh, the Tucker Torpedo here. He's getting that ready for a customer still in, the, in design stages. It's yes. well, fabricated. Yeah, so that's we anticipate more things like that. And Rob, of course, has been a great ally, and so has the Tucker family. Anticipate continuing work with all those all those people as we grow. Oh, very cool! It'd be great to have that uh, Tucker torpedo that Rob's building uh, on display in the museum at some point in time. Maybe you can coerce that out of the hands of the the new owner when he gets his hands <laughs> on that car, just to put it we in there see. for a while. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, very, we very cool. See, yeah, very nice. Well. Here's a very introspective question for you, Jeff. If you were a car, what kind of car would Jeff be and why? 
<laughs> can, I, can I be a small SUV? Uh, you, well, the whole thing with this question is not what you wish you were. It's how you perceive what? yourself manifested into a car. So yeah, that's, I, that's up to you. I kind of see myself as a, kind of like maybe a, a Jeep Cherokee. Okay. Uh, meaning that I, I, I'm not really specialized. I can do a little bit of everything. Versatile. Ah, that's how I look yeah. at myself. I'm okay. not, I wouldn't call myself maybe a jack of all trades, so to speak. I, I feel like I can contribute to a lot of different things. I wouldn't call myself an expert on one thing. A Jeep Cherokee to me is, is a good multi-purpose vehicle, and I kind of see myself that way. There you go, going down the trail. Well, Jeff, up next <laughs> is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. I've been a big fan of Covercraft since I was in high school. Back in 1975, I bought my first Covercraft cover for my vehicle, and I've been buying them ever since. Covercraft has seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens, front-end protection, floor mats, canine covers, things for your trucks, your power sports vehicles, everything. And right now, during the holiday season, they have a great option for you. Covercraft gift card. You can buy any of your automotive enthusiasts a Covercraft gift card of all sorts of denominations, and they can go to the Covercraft website and pick out whatever they like. Covercraft gift cards. It's a seasonal gift that's good any time of the year, and it will keep on giving day after day after day. Go to Covercraft.com and get yours today. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Jeff, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received, other than make sure that oil filter's tight? <laughs> Probably if you're looking to buy a project car, uh, don't get one that has needs lots of rust repair. And also, because that's the most expensive thing, the hardest to, to do correctly. And also, don't buy something as an investment. Buy something because you're passionate about it, you like it, you're going to use it. You know, it's a great advice. I've always told people that because if things go haywire and that so-called investment isn't such a great investment, at least you've got a vehicle that you're passionate about and not something right. that you look at with disdain in the garage every time you open the door. So Absolutely. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that first part of your recommendation is oh so true. If you're going to buy a car, find one someone else has already restored and buy that. Absolutely. Make, make sure it was yeah, done absolutely. right, though. But yeah, rust repair is expensive. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Yeah, something someone taught me, and, and I was sent a while back, uh, one of my mentors sent me to a time management class, and I, and I dismissed it at the time thinking it was a waste of, of my resources, but I learned some valuable things. They're probably the best one. 
is something called swallowing the frog. And that sounds kind of strange, but what it means is every day your life is filled with things that you don't necessarily want to do but have to do. And it could be painful things to do that cause you discomfort or you're apprehensive about. Take that thing that you don't want to do and do it the very first thing in your work day in the morning. Yep. Get it done with it out of your way, and your whole rest of your day you feel so much better. It's not hanging over you. I mean, it's simple, but it really works. Oh, yeah. Really Eat that frog, swallow that frog. Yep, it is it is definitely the way to go through your day because otherwise that afternoon comes awful quick and you're like, oh, man, I still haven't done yeah, that. You have to do it. Just get it done. So it doesn't bother you, you know? Get the pain done over really quickly. Especially if you supervise people and you have to sit someone right. down and talk to them or reprimand them in some way. Do it first thing in the morning. Get it out of the yep. way because it will eat you up you all day long. Yeah, you hit the nail right in the head. That's yeah. absolutely nothing you can do. Oh, I've done many of that one. Do you have a resource you think our listeners would really enjoy other than, of course, the website for your museum, which is a great resource? Um, one thing I use all the time, I'm also an appraiser, so I, I try and help people out with their cars whenever I can. You know, when they're not associated with the museum, there's no conflict of interest. Another website I use all the time is autocolorlibrary.com. I've never seen a place that, I mean, it's kind of trivial, but I've never seen a place that has such a comprehensive resource for original colors for cars of all vintages and all makes. That is a great resource. I have not heard of that. I'm so glad you mentioned that, and I'll remind our listeners, I'll put that on Jeff's show notes page on the Cars yeah website so you can access that as of well. Of course, next to the AAC, AACMuseum.org, of course. And that will be there, too, most definitely. If I could arrange to have you meet up with somebody and sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? He's still living. I'm not sure I could get to him at this point. I would like to have a, have a drink with Lee Coca. Oh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a powerhouse. Yeah, just, so I, re- I read a lot of uh, works about him and his biography, a couple of children's biographies, actually. And, and I'm, I'd like to sit down and have a conversation with him. I think he's a fascinating person, and uh, I think I could gain a lot, for, a lot of insight from him. Plus, of course, he's the considered the father of the Mustang, so some of my questioning would be personal as well. Absolutely. I've been trying to get him on this show. I will keep trying. I would love to sit down with him and talk to him about, uh, I, you could talk for days about his life. Holy cow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Life. So uh, yeah. if I ever get him on this show, I'll give him your phone number. How's that sound? Sounds great. Please there, do. I will. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, I really liked, uh, I read a lot of automobile books, but I also like a lot of military history books. I read something a couple of years ago called Higher Call by the gentleman author's name is Adam Makos. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the book? I'm not, no. It's interesting because it's, it's about World War II aviation history, and the story parallels two lives. Life of a German fighter pilot who was, who was basically, who joined the Luftwaffe to avoid being drafted. He was not a Nazi, he was not a party member, he wanted, but he wanted to do his patriotic duty. And a young 21-year-old American pilot who piloted a four-engine B-17, 29, I'm not sure which one. But anyway, the story begins, the American pilot is on his initial journey, and he's bombing run in Germany, and his plane gets shot to pieces, and half his crew is killed or wounded, and he's flying back across Germany trying to make it to the English Channel. Wow. And out of, out of nowhere comes a Mischersmith right alongside his plane, and it tells it from both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the German German pilot, who is an ace, multi many, many times over, takes mercy on the plane, and rather than shooting him down, actually tries to get him to land in Holland to become a captive of the Germans. And the guy won't land the plane, so he escorts him all the way over the English Channel so he doesn't get shot by the flak. You know, I, now that you talk about this, I do know this story, yes. It's, it's a monumental story, and it parallels their life, and they meet again four years later, they search each other out, see if they're living, and, and, and they become, become friends. It's just a great story about 
war and, and patriotism and, and the human spirit and compassion. It's, it's a great story. And I, I, I would recommend it to anyone. Well, if you enjoy that and you enjoy how history and especially World War II relates to automobiles, there is a great book by a past Cars yeah guest, A.J. Bame, called The Arsenal of Democracy. Have you read that book? No, I haven't, but I would be happy to. You need to read it. It's it's a lot about how the Ford Motor Company uh, helped the war effort, got involved. Fascinating read, so uh, get your hands on that. You can go to the Cars yeah! website, listeners, and find links to all these great resources that Jeff has shared on his show notes page at CarsYeah.com. Just type in Jeff Blimite Blime. I always say your last name wrong. <laughs> Jeff Bleemeister, B-L-I-E-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. I teased him at the beginning of our show when we were talking. He's got the I before the E and then the E before the I. He's covered all his bases. And a lot of letters to boost. Yeah. And a lot of letters to boost. But yeah, there's a great place called uh, Guest Recommended Books where you can go and find all these books, including this one Jeff is recommending and the book by A.J. Beam. And you can listen to his show here on Cars Yeah. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. This is the fun part, Jeff, and it can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. doesn't matter what it is, where it is. I'm buying it for you, and I'm going to park it in your garage. <laughs> Money's no object, so don't worry about that. But you got to drive it. You've got to enjoy it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. you got to live with it. So make your choice wisely. That's awesome. That's a great question. I often ask people the same thing. I mean, I was the first thing they say is I want highest price Ferrari so I can turn around and sell it and buy 10 more cars. But you covered that really well. Uh, yeah, I'm, not a lot. I, I, you, already probably, yeah, you probably already have a good idea where I'm going to go with it. I've, I've owned a 68 Mustang my whole life. I've had a, a mostly coupes. I had one fastback. I made the mistake of selling it right before Gone in 50 Seconds came out, and I could have doubled my money, and I didn't. So I, I would like a first-generation Mustang convertible, 65 to 68 with a V8 and a four-speed. I don't care about the color. Uh, you know, if I could pick, I'm gonna, I'll choose all that, but I just want a V8 four-speed Mustang convertible, first generation. All right. Well, cool. That shouldn't be too hard for me to find. I'll get to work on that, <laughs> especially since you're not going to be thinking about the color. So, Yeah, the, the colors are relevant. That'll make it a little <laughs> easier for me. Nice selection, nice choice. Well, Jeff, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. I know that we met Last year at a LeMay event, the NAAM event, uh, it was so good to get to meet you. So many of my guests I don't get to meet, but I'm glad we finally connected here. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Out listeners and with me. Is there a little piece of wisdom or guidance you might share with us before you drive off into the sunset in that 65 Mustang with the top down? <laughs> I think I've already shared it. Just treat people nicely and good things will happen. Absolutely. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the AACA Museum? Probably the best way is to go to our website, which is aacamuseum.org. And you'll find all the information there or, or give us a call. We're a very personal organization and a lot of times you can get me if you make a phone call and ask. I'm usually here at my desk or on the floor and always happy to talk to visitors. Absolutely. Great website, listeners. Check it out. And if you're near Hershey, Pennsylvania, one of those iconic places for automobile happenings, Go to the museum. I think you're going to have a wonderful, wonderful day. Listeners, you can find links to everything Jeff has shared again on his show notes page on the Cars Yow website. Just type Jeff into that search bar. You'll find his page, and it'll pop up and check it all out. Jeff, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again or I see you at the museum, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. It was my pleasure to be a part of your program. Pleasure was all mine. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. 
But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!